Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. As of March 7th, you can join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at our new church home at 5103 Pegasus Court. You can also continue to watch online on Facebook or through the Church Center app. Either way, we hope you join us. Now, let's check out Sunday's message. Michael Bartlett, our lead pastor, and his wife are not here with us this morning. For the past few weeks and months, Michael has been working very hard on his beautiful building and space that we get to enjoy. But sometimes that means waking up as early as 5 a.m., being here painting and cleaning and doing whatever needs to get done. And he's been diligently serving as our lead pastor and also unofficially and unpaid, serving as a project manager for this building. And so the management team, which is the leadership of this church that I am a part of, actually pulled him aside and we said, you don't have a choice. We are kicking you out this weekend and we're sending you and your wife away kid-free. They have some well-deserved rest and relaxation that they're experiencing right now and they'll be back with us next week. But right now, let's settle a debate. You have an opinion. I know that you have an opinion. Of course, we are talking about Pepsi versus crap, excuse me, Coca-Cola. Freudian slip there this morning. Sorry, Freudian slip. If you're watching online this morning, hit them in the chat. Let them know how great that wild cherry Pepsi is. I'm talking about team blue versus team wrong. Isn't that crazy how similar wrong and red are? It's like they're the same thing. Now, do you love those cute little polar bears, or are you a fan of the Super Bowl halftime show? Both claim to be invented in the South, which is a true king of the South. I was out grocery shopping with my oldest, she's four, a few weeks ago, and first of all, yes, I can do the grocery shopping for our household. As long as I got my wife on speed dial because I don't know what thyme is or what kind of seasoning that is. Anyways, regardless, we were shopping. My four-year-old sees my wife's favorite drink. Now, I just got to tell y'all, my wife drinks Crap-A-Cola. I forgave her. I still married her anyways. And so my daughter sees this at the cooler, and she says, Daddy, we should buy this for Mommy. Do something nice for her. And I was like, how can you resist that, first of all? And then I pulled out my wallet. I gave her $2. I was like, listen, honey, if you want to waste money, go outside and set this on fire and actually waste some money. (laughs) Now, my wife, she's sitting right down here. I know she wants to jump into this conversation. We've had this battle back and forth in our household for years. And I also know I've never had a communion cup thrown at me before. But if I keep presenting the facts... There might be a first time that that happens. So let me just say one more thing. If you're like, okay, cool, got it. He likes his wild cherry Pepsi, check. Maybe I'll do something nice for him. Appreciate you, but I actually don't drink it. I don't drink any pop at all. Yes, pop, I got some Midwest in me. I call it pop, but I don't drink any of it. Once I started running 26.2 full marathon races, I gave it all up as a physical pruning of sorts 
to allow my body to run more effectively. And if you think about that term pruning, normally it's something that we associate with plants and gardening. I'm not a pruning expert by any means. I mean, I've never even drank prune juice before. But seriously, landscaping was my job all four years in college. I absolutely loved it. I got an introduction to landscaping. But as my wife will also tell you, I have wrinkles now. So my time as a 20-year-old wasn't yesterday. So when I was writing the sermon, I studied up on pruning from some professional landscaping companies, and I found some cool stuff. Pruning is the act of trimming leaves, branches, and dead matter. And it maintains the well-being of the plant and allows it to grow properly. And if you have a green thumb or if you are a landscaper this morning, you're like, yep, that makes sense. I get that. But check this out. This is one activity that saves your plants from insects and disease. It takes away what's harmful and useless. It's necessary for young and old plants. Strategically done to make plants stronger and sturdier. And fruit trees, it encourages the production of larger fruits, and it's about long-term growth, not short-term production. Like, look at that list again. That list is really awesome. Is there a human version of that that I can sign up for? Do you want to be healthy mentally, emotionally, physically? Do you want the harmful and useless parts of you taken away? Selfishness, negative thoughts, that foreboding feeling that something bad is about to happen to you. Do you want to be stronger and sturdier? Uh, hello, it's almost pool season. I could use a little bit of that, God, thanks. Preferably right here. But seriously, do you want mental, physical, and spiritual strength? Maybe this makes you able to enjoy your days and have energy to see your days through, not just endure them. Maybe it makes you more reliable and dependable. And do you want to gain long-term growth? Become wise. Have a better financial picture. Get to the point to where retirement doesn't scare you anymore. I think we can all agree that's a really impressive list. And it really doesn't matter what you think about Jesus. If we can at least have the opportunity to gain that through Jesus, maybe we're willing to listen more. And this all takes us to the part of the Bible that we're looking at today. We're in the book of John. John was written by John, and we're going to be checking out chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 together. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, so what does this have to do with God's promise for my purpose? That's why I'm here. I want to learn more about that. Don't worry. We're going to answer that question just not right this second. 
Let's break these verses down a little bit more. Jesus is the one talking. John is quoting Jesus, and he knows that God is the ultimate loving authority. To use the language from the story, Jesus is calling God the gardener. And note, even Jesus himself needed to be pruned. God had to shape and mold him. Jesus said that God took off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Everything that we are talking about today, Jesus understands because it happened to him too. Jesus gets you. And verse 3 tells us that Jesus is talking to people who already have been pruned and purified. This means that Jesus is talking to people who already believe in him. They've heard the message, accepted it into their hearts. They're actively living this out. They're Christians. And he follows this up by telling his audience to remain. Stay. Don't float. Anchor down right here next to me because that's what I am doing for you. Now, Jesus is speaking about their hearts. They've pledged their allegiance to him through their lives, and they've given their hearts to him. And Jesus is saying, continue to do so so that you may produce fruit. And if you are a Christian sitting here this morning watching online with us, don't miss this. This is one of the treasures of our relationship with Jesus that we may be able to produce fruit. What in the world does that mean? Don't worry. We're going to talk about that too. But first, what if you're sitting here or if you're listening and you're not a Christian? There is no remaining in Jesus because that first step hasn't been taken. Maybe you dabbled in faith a little bit. Maybe you were a Christian at one point, and then life happened. But think back to that list we just went over a couple of minutes ago. Let me ask you, where have you searched for those things only to find that they aren't it? Even if it's good things, reading podcasts, exercise, eating healthy, generally being a good person, volunteering, all of those things can't give you what Jesus can. And whether your life is full of tough memories or not, the only way that you can be connected, using the language from the story to the gardener and the true vine, is a relationship with Jesus. And once you experience that, it is natural to want to remain in that relationship with him. Now, like I said, let's transition a little bit. We're going to get to purpose, and we're going to connect to purpose. I'm probably not telling you anything you don't already know. All too often, we equate purpose with career. I did a Google search this week, and this is what I typed in. Why do we associate purpose with career? It was pretty insane, the results that happened. On the screen behind me, you can see the list of things that came in. Take a minute to read the words that you see up in front of you. This is insane. It's maddening. There are so many articles, 204 million of them to be exact, and nearly every single one of them had one common denominator, how to make work your purpose. And only one result on the first page even bothered to ask if work and purpose are the same thing. 
in America, it's a foregone conclusion. What you do with your life becomes your purpose. What you do with your career is your purpose. And maybe you're saying, well, Google probably had some major organizations and corporations, and so they're naturally going to give that to you and present that to you because they exist to make money. It's a good point, but I'm afraid the Christian world isn't much better. And in some cases, it's worse. I know this. My dad was a pastor for many decades. He is retired now, but I grew up in the church. Both of my parents, very strong Christians. I was baptized when I was 10, and I have been in the church and a Christian my whole entire life. That is my religious experience. And as I was growing up, the word that was thrown around a lot in Christian circles is calling. Maybe you know that if you grew up in church as well. Well-meaning people, very nice people, they're great. I know them. I've probably been one of them. Tell you God made you special and God made you unique and God has a calling for your life. And just to translate what that means, that means God has a specific calling for your vocation, and you owe it to yourself as a Christian to go find that needle in a haystack. And this can be damaging. I spent 10 years, an entire decade of my adult life, searching for my calling. It led me to three different continents, Lots of awesome adventures and some crazy awesome stories. But it also led to starting and quitting a lot of jobs. Never being in one place long enough to build true relationships. Bitterness and loneliness in my relationship with God, and I became cruel towards God because I couldn't find my needle in the haystack. I couldn't find my calling. Many of you know that I used to live in Uganda. I actually wear Africa around my neck here, and I'm very passionate specifically about East Africa. So one of those times in my search, that decade I spent searching, I quit a very well-paying job, sold all of my stuff, moved halfway around the world, didn't know a single person, someone who was holding my name on a sign when I got there, and that's how I knew who was there to pick me up, and I jumped into missionary work in rural Uganda. And we used oral methods and memory to help teach local pastors the Bible and help them grow their churches. But everyone, literally everyone in my town and my church that knew me in East Tennessee said, CT, I'm so happy for you. This is it. You have finally found your thing. And it hit me, and I was like, yeah, this is my thing. This is my calling. I found it, and I'm going, and this is going to be awesome. Until it wasn't. A great experience, yes, but my calling, no. And a few months into my time in Uganda, one of our team members pulled me aside, and she said, CT, we know you're struggling but it's okay, we want to help you. And I spent my last night in Uganda literally bawling my eyes out because I had failed. Failed all those people in East Tennessee, failed my church, the people who supported me. I failed my calling. I failed God. 
And so, in a small room that night full of a mixture of strangers and friends, my body sobbed as I shook because of tears, because I knew I had to go back home and face all those people and tell them I had failed. I've grown since then, have a little bit different perspective. I realized that wasn't the right way to look at God or myself, but in those moments, this was a very real identity crisis for me. I just said I've been in the church my whole entire life. Jesus is the most important thing to me, and I like to think that I'm sold out to him. I moved halfway around the world to go be a professional Christian, and so to fail God in this way, in that moment was a real identity crisis. Well-meaning people, good people, both Christian and not, set us up for failure when they push a calling on our lives or equate purpose with career. I told you that God has a calling and God has a, <laughs> God has a promise. God has a promise and a purpose for your life. We actually already discovered what that is. The first thing is to remain in God. And if you haven't committed your life to God yet, that's okay. We are glad that you are here. But I do hope you know that there is a God who loves you so much, and only he is one who can give you what you're searching for. And once you find that, it's natural to want to remain with him. But for those of us who have already made that commitment, remain in God. Stay. Don't float. Anchor down. But man, CT, my finances are a wreck. Remain. I'm actually growing up and becoming an adult, and nobody can tell me what to do anymore, and honestly, it feels pretty nice. Stay. Things are actually going really great for me right now, so I think I'm just going to do this whole life thing by myself. Don't float. God, I just need you to be real in my life. And if I'm being honest, I don't think you can be. Anchor down. God has come to give you life and to give it to you in abundance. John, the author of the book that we are looking at this morning, tells us that. And the way that we get that abundant life is by remaining in God. And secondly, produce fruit. And for the Christians who are in the room, who are watching with us today, I have a question that might hurt. When is the last time you personally led somebody to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Months, years, a decade? Let's simplify it a little bit. When's the last time you extended an invitation for somebody to experience Jesus, invited them here to a small group, to one of our community engagement events? And if you're wincing right now, it's okay. I'm right there with you. I've been there plenty of times myself. But your life should produce fruit. We think about it like this. You love people well, and you introduce them to Jesus through the life that you live. This is your purpose. This is how you produce fruit. This is the promise that God gives all 
of us. One of the best days of your life is when you realize that your life is not about you. One of the best days of your life is when you realize that your life is not about you, it's about the people around you. You have a job, produce fruit, love well. Neighbors at your apartment, townhome, or house, the people you pass by on your evening walks, the employees of Chick-fil-A or Starbucks or fill-in-the-blank that know you because you are a regular, the babysitter for your kids or kids, your parents, the staff of this church, produce fruit, love well. This purpose is deep and meaningful, and it doesn't matter about life or circumstance, rich or poor, young or old. It doesn't matter. This is a gift for all of us, and when we do this, it brings us joy. It allows us to see a bigger picture of God's heart, and we grow closer to him. Also, and this applies for everybody in the room, pruning hurts at first. I told you I have some crazy, awesome stories from my time searching for my calling. One of them I'm just going to tease you with. I had surgery in Uganda. I let them put me out. Yes, I let them put me out. It was a little frightening, but I woke up. But when I woke up, my body hurt. It hurt. But I got better, and I made a full recovery. And some of you know this because you have had surgery as well. And you know the hurt process. You know what it's like the days and weeks after surgery. But you do it anyways for long-term growth. Long-term growth, just like pruning. And when you let Jesus work on your soul, if you are anything like me, you'll find that you need some pruning. It hurts. It's not fun. Don't shy away from the pain. This is spiritual surgery, and it's for greater good and for our long-term growth. Now, for some of y'all in the room today, you need that initial pruning and purification that Jesus talks about in verse 3. Here at Collective, we call this putting your faith in Jesus and getting baptized. If this is you, check the baptism box on your connection card. As Pastor Michael said last Sunday, there are no strings attached I just want to have a conversation with you about your faith. But maybe you're like me, and you've been doing this Christian thing for a long time, and you need another round of pruning. The pruning process never stops, no matter how long you have been a Christian. Just like with trees, there's always dead matter that needs to get cut away. So collective, what needs pruning? What does Jesus need to prune in your life? And maybe just as important, are you willing to let this happen? One more thing. Praise the process, not the product. I say this to our girls all the time. Praise the process, not the product. Stop looking at your fruit and comparing it to the fruit of the people around you, the people that you work with, the person in this room sitting across the room that you wish you could be like. Thief is a joy. Don't, sorry, thief. Let me run that back one more time. <laughs> sorry about that. Comparison is a thief and doesn't produce joy. Sometimes fruit takes a long time to appear, and that's okay. 
Praise the process and be committed to the process of Jesus pruning your life. I think John says it really well in verses 5 and verses 8. Again, this is Jesus talking. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. That well-paying job I quit to move to Uganda, it was Pepsi. I am brand low like you wouldn't believe because I worked for Pepsi. And I sold lots of cases of the product. And it paid a lot of money, especially for a young single guy in the hills of East Tennessee. But I had no passion for it. You could name the day and the time, and I could tell you exactly where I was going to be every single minute of the day. I dreaded Sunday night's 5 a.m. meeting. 5 a.m. meetings, those were the worst. And my heart wasn't there. My heart wasn't in it. So I quit. And if you've been there before, you know the feeling. And I know some of you in this room and watching right now are there because I know you. I've talked to you. You've told me your story. I can't and won't tell you what you should do, remain, or quit. But I can tell you I was so focused on finding my calling I missed my purpose. I was so focused on myself, I stopped seeing my job as a place to love other people well. In your career and with your life, don't miss your purpose because God promises you have one. One of the best days of your life is when you realize that your life isn't about you at all. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this time where we get to be together today. And if we look at the world around us right now, there's promise of new life, of growth, of warmth. But in all this new life that is coming back, there's also a reminder of pruning that needs to happen in the physical world around us. And that's a reminder that it should happen with us as well. So God, I pray that we are honest with ourselves before you, that we recognize what needs to be pruned, and that we're brave enough to allow it to happen. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for your promise of purpose in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.